nice and happy Thanksgiving. Is everyone awake this morning? I, I question that as well. Seems like everyone's groggy, maybe too much turkey or something like that. You got to shake all that stuff off because it's, it's time for, for church and we got some serious stuff this morning. <clears throat> the last few times I've had the honor of preaching the word, whether you were here or not, I, uh, I spoke on knowing our words, uh, being in our Bibles, receiving from the word of God, uh, daily getting something out of this word, uh, just asking God to reveal his truth to us through his word. Us Christian people needing to know our word. And here I am again. I'm afraid I can't deviate off that same path again. Uh, the more I'm around the ministry, the more I'm around people, the more I'm around Christian folks, I still believe that we need to get into our word. I believe that we have gotten away from our word. And if God keeps me here for however long he keeps me, then I'll keep on preaching about getting in our word. Until we are in our word, I believe God is not going to be satisfied. We have got to be in this Bible. <clears throat> so I titled this morning's message, Good Doctrine. So Let's bow our heads and pray. Father God, we thank you so much for this morning, Lord God. We thank you, Lord, that we are here in your house, Lord, to receive from your word. Lord, we just pray, Lord God, that you are glorified with our worship, Lord God. We are glad to be in the house of the Lord this morning. Father God, we would rather be no other place, Lord God. Where else could I go, Lord? Where else could I turn? What other answer is there for me, Father God? There are none, Lord Jesus. Lord God, we give all glory and all honor unto your name. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. As you're being seated, grab your Bibles. Flip it open to 2 Timothy chapter 3, and we'll start reading in verse 16. Booth's going to try to get stuff up on the board. Hopefully, a lot of this stuff that I speak this morning does not come off too legalistic, because we know that the Bible is more than just a book of do's and don'ts. It is more than that. However, the Bible does give us boundaries. In the Bible, there are some thou shalt nots. In the Bible, there are do's and don'ts. But I do not want to be too legalistic this morning. However, we need to discuss some doctrine. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 says, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. That's good stuff. Let's read it again. All Scripture... 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. It is breathed by God. Everything found in between these two leather bindings is inspired by God and is profitable for what? For doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. First of all, we got to define doctrine. I looked it up in Webster's Dictionary. Doctrine means a body of principles in a system of belief. Uh, doctrine can mean teachings. Doctrine means instructions. So when I say good doctrine found in the Bible, what I mean is the principles captured in this word, the values captured in this word. This thing is giving me fits this morning. Dad's ear must be big and mine's small. I don't know what it is. Because you tend to get older, don't your ears get bigger? That must be it. But this thing does not like me. 
I must be technologically one of those technologically advanced babies because I've never, ever preached. Even when I preached over in the other building, never once have I actually used a microphone. It's always been a, an ear thing. Those days are gone. Maybe I need them back. I don't know. <clears throat> Let me get back to where I was. We were talking about doctrine. What is doctrine? The principles found in the Bible. The principles captured in Scripture. When we talk about good doctrine, when we talk about the church's stance on something, where does that stance come from? It comes from the doctrine found in the Bible. The teachings within the Bible, the instructions within the Word of God. That forms our doctrine. That forms what we believe. The stuff found in here. I'll tell you where it does not come from. It does not come from human reasoning. It does not come from human intuition. It does not come from our education. Holy smokes, this is killing me here. See if you can get this thing bent up here, Bruce. Okay, maybe that's it. Pardon me just a moment. Okay, there. Good doctrine of the word is not founded upon my human intuition. Even though you may trust an individual, say, pastor, pastor does not make up our doctrine. The pastor does not make up the doctrine in New Hopeful Gospel Church. The trusted brothers and people that we know that are in their word, they do not make up our doctrine. Our doctrine comes from what is in the Bible. It forms what we believe. That's what we need to understand it. Our doctrine, our principles, our beliefs, our values come from this word. Come from in between these two leather bindings right here. That is makes up what we believe If you are a Christian, if you are a Christian, you should believe everything in here. Not from our human intellect, not from, well, I I feel this way about this certain topic. That leads us astray. We get our doctrine from this word, from the word of God. Good Christian doctrine comes from the word of God. You think, yeah, Jason, that's pretty basic. Why are you telling me this? I'll tell you why. I don't know if it's maybe because of the, the recent elections or maybe just the day and age that we live in, but I saw Christian people who cannot agree on moral issues. Amen. Anyone else see that? Christian people cannot agree on moral issues. And I say to myself, how can these things be? Don't we all believe in the same thing? How come this person over here says, this is right and this is true? And this person over here says, no, this is right and this is true. That's wrong. Who's right and who's wrong? Someone obviously is wrong. If they're both Christians talking about the same thing, someone is right and someone is wrong. I'll tell you what, someone's doctrine is messed up. Someone someone deviated somewhere. Christian people should agree on moral issues. This person says this is acceptable. This person says no, that is. This is right, that is wrong. I saw people who cannot agree on right or wrong. Cannot agree on whether certain topics are right or wrong. How can this be? Uh, it's real funny. You'll see a thread on the internet that'll say, like if you love the Lord Jesus Christ, and 360,000 people will like it and comment, I love Jesus, and I love Jesus. And those same people cannot agree. You'll see the same people that like and love Jesus cannot agree on moral issues. Now, there's a problem to me. That presents a problem. Our morals, our values don't come from, well, I think this is right. 
I feel that this is right. They do not come from the way we feel. They don't come from human intellect. They don't come from my intuition. They don't come from even the most higher learning, the, the most educated of the group. Who here has the most, does anyone have a PhD? That, that person would, that's not the way it works either. They come from the Word of God. We just read that it is the inspired Word of God, profitable for what? For doctrine, for reproof, for correction. That is why we need to be in our Bibles. Christian people cannot agree on moral issues. How is this so? Aren't, aren't our principles found in the Word of God? Isn't the Bible the place where we discern right from wrong? Is not the Bible a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart? How then are we disagreeing? How then does this brother say this is right and this brother over here says no, this is right, that's wrong? I'll tell you why. We have forgotten our doctrine. We've forgotten our basic principles, our values. We forgot them. <clears throat> I'll tell you, you, you go to pastor, you go to counsel with Bruce or Daryl or Ed, some of the trusted men in this church, and I have, I bank things off of them all the time. I'll send dad texts and say, what do you think about this? Or maybe cutting firewood with Bruce. I'll say, hey, Bruce, what do you think about this? Or Ed, I bounced a lot of things off him. And you know what those guys say to me? Never once have they said, well, you know, I think and I feel no way. Their first response is, well, the Bible says. And that is how we form our doctrine. What the Bible says. That forms what we believe. Well, there's a scripture that says in... I can't tell you how many times those guys have said that to me. Well, I came across a scripture that says... That's what influences us. That's what we are supposed to believe. I came up with a couple examples... Of things that I saw people can't agree on. And I don't want to get all controversial. And these examples that I'm going to bring forth to you... They're not the focus of what I want to talk about today. What I'm talking about today is good, solid doctrine. So don't come to church or after church and argue stuff with me. Because this is not the focus. But Example number one, abortion. I know that is a hot topic. Everyone wants to argue this and that. I've argued it. I've never actually converted someone because arguing doesn't do a whole lot. But I see Christian folks that cannot agree on the moral issue of abortion. Cannot agree on it group over here who's supposed to be Christian says, well, you know, women's rights, women's choice. A group here says, well, under certain circumstances, see, maybe there's a rape. Or a group over here says, no, it's not right. No way, it's not. Well, who in the world is right? How can we all be Christians, yet everybody's saying different stuff? Someone has to be right and someone has to be wrong. How do we find out? We turn to the Word, amen? So I... Looked in the Bible. Now the Bible doesn't actually say thou shalt not commit abortion, but there's stuff in there. The Bible says in Psalms chapter 139, verse 13. Now we're going to look at what our Christian doctrine says. What the biblical doctrine says about this topic, about this moral issue. So don't come and say, well, statistically speaking, Jason, I don't want your statistics. I'm telling you what the Bible says. Don't tell me Professor so-and-so said that... Uh, I don't want to hear what Professor so-and-so said. Don't say, well, from my experience, I, I don't want to hear from your experience. I'm telling you what the Bible says. If you're a Christian, that's what you're supposed to believe. Psalms chapter 139, verse 13 says, 
For thou hast possessed my reins. Thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. Verse 14, I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works. Now, what does that tell us? The Bible says, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. That tells us right there the sanctity and the value God places on human life. We are fearfully and wonderfully formed by the hand of God in our mother's womb. Turn in Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 4. Now, if that doesn't convince you, all that kind of shows you is the sanctity of life. God places true, real value on human life. You're not convinced yet? Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 4 says, Then the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou came forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee, and I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. Read verse 5 again. Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. Before they came forth out of thy womb, I sanctify thee. Before we are born, God recognizes us as a person. As a person with qualities and traits. Before we're born, the Bible says The Bible says that. You can disagree with me. You can march out here in a few minutes. Be angry at me the rest of your life. Have at it. But I'm telling you, if you're a Christian... This is where the Bible stands on this issue. <clears throat> Furthermore, in Proverbs chapter 6, you remember where God says to yea, six things does he hate, yea, seven are an abomination? What are one of the things that God hates in verse, chapter 6 verse 17? God hates hands that shed innocent blood. Now see, I'm just telling you the doctrine of the Bible. See, if you could come up with some scriptures that are the opposite of what I said, and God allows this abortion, well, then by all means, bring them to me after the service. But I couldn't find any. What's this tell us? Number one, God puts a value on human life. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Second thing, God recognizes us as a person before. It says he forms us in the womb. He recognizes us as a person in the womb. And he hates hands that shed innocent blood. Now, how can we argue and say it's right or it's wrong now? <clears throat> Here's the whole point. When we confront moral issues, we use the Word of God. We use the Bible. We use Scriptures. When we confront moral issues like this, not reasoning not the way we feel. The way we feel leads us astray. I feel like punching people sometimes. I feel like kicking somebody sometimes. Don't you? I feel like not paying my bills. I feel like blowing my entire paycheck on myself sometimes. Doing what we feel is wrong. <clears throat> we confront moral issues with the Word of God. We do not tackle them with human reasoning or human intuition or higher education. We tackle them with the Word of God. It's called biblical doctrine. Good doctrine. Good sound doctrine. The Bible tells us to have good sound doctrine. Example number two. What I, Christian folks can't agree on this. You think I'm wrong. Go to a church within a few miles of here. You'll find someone that feels the opposite way you do. Homosexuality. Homosexuality is a moral issue. This group over here says... You know, brother, it's a form of love. We've come to recognize that. And look at all the churches that accept it nowadays, right? There's churches in Zaysville that accept it. Not only they accept it, they accept it into their leadership. 
it is accepted. Yet these folks are supposedly born-again Christians. Group over here says, no, it is not right. It is not right. How can, th- how can this be? This group says yes, this group says no. How can it be? Someone has forgotten to check their doctrine found in the Bible. Someone's, someone's gotten screwed up somewhere. <clears throat> Who's right? Who's wrong? How do we know? Well, I did a study on... Nope. Well, Professor so-and-so... Nope. We look to the Bible. How do you find out what's right or wrong in moral issues? You look to the Bible. Spiritual issues, you turn to the Bible. I know, maybe you think, well, this is kind of basic. Maybe for some of you men and women of God who are seasoned into the Word, maybe this is kind of basic. But I'm telling you, I feel God pressing this on me. Jason, preach about the Word. Maybe it is basic, but I see a generation that needs this. I see a generation that depends more and more on their human intellect, that depends more and more on what they feel is right or wrong. Homosexuality, who's right or wrong? What do we do? We go back to the Bible. Do we create a panel and throw up a vote? No. We look at the Bible. We see what Scripture says. Turn to Leviticus chapter 20, verse 13. The Bible says, let's see what our doctrine says. If a man also lied with mankind as he lies with a woman, both of them have committed an abomination and shall surely be put to death. Their blood shall be upon them. Now, we don't put people to death anymore if they're homosexuality, but we know they're worthy of it. We're worthy of death for our sins, amen? Jesus came and paid that price. But if the man also lie with mankind as he lies with a woman, it's an abomination, our Bible says. I don't see how you get around that. But you know what people do? You know what we've done? Well, brother, that's old-time Levitical law. You know, we got the New Testament now. I know people... I've argued with people that have scrapped the entire Old Testament. That have scrapped the entire Old Testament. Jesus says, I'm come not to destroy the law, but to fulfill the law. I tell you what, the Old Testament is there for a reason. If a man also lie with mankind as he lied with a woman, both of them have committed an abomination. It is an abomination to the Lord. Okay? It is an abomination. This guy over here says, oh, it's okay. We've come to see it's a form of love. This guy said, it's an abomination. Okay, it is an abomination to the Lord. There's no confusion there. That's what our doctrine tells us. You've heard a pastor preach about this before. This is where he gets his stance. Not because pastor's kind of wise. Not because he's been doing this a long time. Because that's what it says in the book. <clears throat> so for any of you who say, well, that's Old Testament Levitical law, which I don't agree with, but it's turning your Bibles to Romans chapter 1. Start in verse 24. Romans chapter 1, verse 24. A little bit of reading here. Wherefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lusts of their own hearts, to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshipped and served the creature more than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. For this cause, God gave them up to vile affections. For even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise, also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one toward another. Men with men, working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error, which was meat. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient, being filled with all unrighteousness, 
fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whispers, backbiters, haters of God, despisers, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affections, implicable, unmerciful, who, knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. This is how we decipher the truth from the lies. This is how we discern what is right or what is wrong when confronted with moral issues from the Word of God. We have to be careful. Many of us may have been saved for a long time. We think we accumulate some knowledge, and we think we can just step away and discern things on our own. But at no point are we ever independent of the Word of God. No place do we ever reach a a plateau where we can step away from the basic principles in the Word of God. Men with men working that which is unseemly. Men leaving the natural use of the woman, burning their lust one toward another. That's how we tell which group is right or which is wrong. From the Scriptures, from the sacred Scriptures. Amen? Do we not need to be in our Bibles? I'll tell you what, the, the chaos that's outside of these walls, how can we not be in our Word? How can we not at least possess a rudimentary knowledge of the Scriptures? We have to. We must. We must possess this knowledge. I tell you what, it's so tricky nowadays to try and argue with people. People are such good spinsters, and holy smokes, it's so hard. So you know what? Just stick with the Word of God. Just stick with the Word. You know, if someone says something to you and you know it's wrong, instead of engaging in an argument, bust them with a scripture that you know is pertinent to that topic. Don't, don't speak your piece. Just bust him with a scripture and be done with it. All right? Because his word returns not void. It is not our, our intellect, our knowledge. It is the word of God that brings change and truth. <clears throat> this is how we tell what truth is from the Bible, the word of God. I can't stress that enough. You know that the Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 4, Verse 2, it says, preach the word, be instant in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. Why? For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. Is that not going on this day and age? People refuse, they refuse sound doctrine. They refuse it. If you say, hey, this says right here, that is an abomination, what you're doing. People will say, I'm still doing it. We still accept it. The panel voted. The vote's in, it passed. The time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. The Bible tells us to preach the word instant, in season and out of season. To reprove, rebuke, and exhort with what? With doctrine. Hey, hey brother, uh, that ain't right, man. It says right here, this, and you're, you're saying the opposite. I'm telling you. I see lots of stuff going on nowadays. Lots of stuff going on nowadays. People are saying, don't judge me. You can't judge me. 
No one can judge me. Usually the person saying that is doing something evil is why. Nobody wants judged. No one wants anyone to pass judgment on them. I'll tell you what, we can tell. I, I want someone to tell me. If I'm, if I'm in danger of hellfire, I want a good friend to come up to me and say, hey, man, uh, you know what you're doing there? It says right here not to do that. I want someone to tell me that. Bible says a time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. At this church, we will continue in the Word of God. Whether it's popular or not, whether it comes in fad or out of fad or fashion, whatever, we will continue in the Word of God. When we deviate from that, we're in trouble. When we deviate from what is in the sacred scriptures, we're in trouble. We'll end up a, a cult, or we'll end up something, we'll end up accepting things that are not right. I got another example for you. This one might get somebody stirred up. We got a lot of young parents in here. I'm, I throw myself into that category too. Child spanking. Uh-huh. I've had people, I've had several different people come to me and argue with me about it. And both of them, well, at least one of them that I know of was, I don't know about the other lady, was Christian folks wanting to come argue with me. Child spanking, this group over here says, I mean, that's barbaric. That worked 100 years ago. That worked in the old days. That causes uh, suppressed feelings of depression in your child or something or other. That's what they say. Professor so-and-so might say this. This group over here, on the other hand, says, no, it's right. I think it's in the Bible. Well, who's right? How come Christians are arguing this? Is it right to spank your child? Who's right? What do we do? Do we create a panel? Hey, let's vote on this, guys. Hey, let's get this professor. No, we look to our doctrine. We open up the book, and we see what it says about this certain topic. And it forms our doctrine. I'll just give you a few scriptures, because there's actually lots about child-rearing. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 24. And understand, these are just examples. I'm not preaching to you about abortion or about homosexuality or about spanking your children. That's not the topic. I'm just showing you an example. A moral issue comes up. We've got to confront it. What do we do? We look to our word. Proverbs 13, verse 24 says, He that spares his rod hates his son, but he that loves him chastens him time. Spare the rod, hate your son. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 15. I'll tell you what, love is hard sometimes. I think we have a false view of love. That might be my next uh, sermon coming up. We don't know what love is. Love is hard sometimes. Love speaks the straight truth to people sometimes. We think love is, don't offend nobody. You don't want to make nobody mad. I respect what you're saying. How many times do you hear Jesus say, well, I respect your opinion, but... Zero. Jesus spoke his peace. People got angry with Jesus. People hated on Jesus. We want to say, well, Jesus was all love, all love. Jesus was truth. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 15 says, Foolishness is bound in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction shall drive it far from him. You can say, that's old school. They did that in the old days. Tell me of that all you want. But this word doesn't change. 
You, you can tell God when you get to heaven, Lord, the reason why I didn't spank my son and he turned out to be a felon was because I, I was raised in the 21st century, Lord. We did things different. We were modern. See, we think we're modern man now. We're, we're, we're not cavemen mentality like in the old days. We're modernized now, Lord. Things were different. He's going to tell you, I'm the Lord thy God. I change not. That's exactly what he's going to tell you. Foolishness is bound in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction drives it far from him. Matter of fact, last night in my household, there was a little bit of an ugly incident. <laughs> Proud of it. Don't care if you don't like me because of it, but I, I spank my children. Take me to jail. Come home. I ain't changing. That's all there is to it. Uh, my wife was kind enough to take my, both my boys food shopping with her so that I could finish up some stuff I had to do on this. So she took the boys. You know, we were all happy, planning a nice evening of decorating the Christmas tree when they got home. Well, when she got home, my wife was all bent out of shape, mad as could be, all torqued off. And I'm like, what? what's, what's wrong? These kids, they, all they did was fought. All they did was scream. And he was crying. He was laying on the floor in one of the aisles and this and that. You know what? That's all I needed to hear. I said, That's enough, Shannon. Luke, my oldest, Luke, come to dad's room. And I'll tell you what, he, he marched right in there and he took it because he knew he was wrong. Say what you want, but this is where I get this from. Not because I think, well, a wise father would do. I get it from the word of God. Amen? Proverbs chapter 19, verse 18 says, Chasten thy son while there is hope, and let not thy soul spare for his crying. You know what? My boys cry when I paddle them. I spare not. You know why? Because there's hope right now. When my boy turns 18... My days of sitting him on my knee and telling him, now, Luke, I need you to do this. He's not going to hear me anymore. He's going to be his own man by then. And my opportunity, my window that I had to influence my son is over with by then. But back to the main point. Where do I get all this from? From my doctrine found in the Word of God. I, I didn't find anything in here that said, don't spank your children. <clears throat> I don't want to know what the statistics say. I don't know what the professional opinion has tells me. I don't care about all that. I get it from here. Who's right, group A or group B? We look to the Word. That's how we discern the truth. <clears throat> it is our job as Christian folks to stick to sound doctrine, to stick to the principles found in the Word. Even if it's unpopular, even if everyone else changes, because everyone else is changing. You realize that? Everyone else is turning away from this. It's our job to continue on in the things we were taught. The things we know that are true. For I am the Lord, I change not. <clears throat> Christianity does not change nor evolve over time. It does not. This book remains the same through the ages. It remains the same. And what strikes me, this book is supernatural. The Bible says it is quick, it is alive. Is this book, ancient text I have here before me, still confronts topics we face today in this modern age. The Bible says there's no new thing under the sun. This book still confronts all that stuff. <clears throat> if God said thou shalt not 4,000 years ago, he still means it today. 
<clears throat> we must obey the doctrines of the Bible if, even if we don't understand at times. Even if we don't understand. See, do, don't we believe that his ways are not my ways? Don't we believe his ways are higher than my ways? Doesn't it say that in Isaiah? Don't we believe that the heavens are higher than the earth? Therefore, his ways are higher than my ways. Doesn't the Bible tell me to lean not to my own understanding? We are to obey this word even if we can't fully wrap our mind around it. We are to obey the word. Why? Because God is supernatural. He's supernatural. His thoughts are not our thoughts, neither his ways are ways. His ways are higher than our ways, and his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. We are but mere man, flesh and blood. We are not to lean to our own understanding. I might not give my son a particular reason of why he can't play video games for six straight hours. I might not tell him why. I might not explain to him, son, that's going to rot your brain. I might not tell him that. What I might tell him is, because I said so. Because I said so. Is that not exactly the Father to us? Because I said so. Do this. Why, God? Why can't I? Why I want to do this? I know my boy thinks, Dad, it ain't going to harm me to sit here for six hours and watch TV. Come on, Dad. Let me. No, I said no because I said so. Why? Because I know better than he does. <clears throat> His ways are higher than our ways. God actually does not need to give you a reason for why you're going through what you're going through. <clears throat> Hard but true. I had a weight trainer back when I not much. He must not have been a good teacher, but uh, <laughs> he's a good diet guy. He passed away, but he would always walk around and stare when you were doing push-ups or sit-ups, and he would say, hard but fair, hard but fair. And I always liked that. He would just stare at you, hard but fair. You know what? The Bible sometimes is hard on us. It is. Another example. I believe this is my last example. <clears throat> you know what? Group A over here. We'll get back to our group. Group A says, well, I can watch any type of movie I want. I can watch anything. Stuff don't harm me. I'm uh, mature. See, I, I've been around a while. I've been in Christianity. I can watch any type of filth I want to. Nudity, foul language, Lord's name in vain. Stuff don't bother me. Group B says, man, I don't know. I don't think that's right. Uh, that don't seem right. But here we have Christians that will watch anything. Anything. You understand, when you go to the movies and you watch filth, you're not only taking that in, you're actually paying to propagate more stuff like that. Some say it's okay. Some say it's not okay. What do we do? Well, let's check what the professional... No, we go to the Bible. We check our doctrine. What does our doctrine say? Isaiah chapter 33, verse 15. He that walketh righteously... And speak uprightly. Now see, we already are talking about a righteous person. A person that walks righteously and speaks uprightly. He that despises the gains of oppression and shakes his hands from holding bribes and stops his ears from hearing of blood and shuts his eyes from seeing evil. The Bible says shut your eyes from seeing evil. Keep them shut. Don't even look at that garbage. Don't even look at that filth. The Bible says in Psalms, 
chapter 101, verse 3. I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. No wicked thing. Don't put nothing, nothing before your eyes that's wicked. Keep, you know what? They're going to keep making filthy movies and filthy television programs. And they're going to push them, push them. Don't set it before your eyes, the Bible. That's what our doctrine says. If you can find scriptures that say it is good to watch horrible films with nudity and foul language, by all means, after the service is over, come bring it to me. Maybe we'll have to see what the doctor said. But this is what I, I will set no wicked thing before my eyes, let alone the scriptures on holiness. And we're called to holiness. God is a holy God. Be holy, for I am holy, the Bible says. Yet we'll go watch the most unholy filth out there. How can we not agree? They're Christians and they're supposed to be Christians. How is there a rift between the two groups? Well, we go back to our word and see what the word says. Back to the Bible. We are commanded to have good doctrine. <clears throat> Second John, way back almost one of the last books in the Bible. Second John chapter 1 verse 9. Now listen closely to this. Please listen closely. I'm telling you scriptures only. Whosoever transgresses, sins, and abides not in the doctrine of Christ, has not God. If you do not abide in the doctrine of Christ, you don't have God. He that abides in the doctrine of Christ, he has both the Father and the Son. If there come any unto you, and bring not this doctrine... Receive him not into your house, neither bid him Godspeed. For he that biddeth him Godspeed is a partaker, partaker of his evil deeds. I'll tell you what, we need to take note of this. Next time a Jehovah's Witness or something knocks on your door, the Bible says don't, even, don't receive him. And don't say, hey, good day, Godspeed. You know, you know why? Not because we're rude, not because we're just harsh people. Those people do not believe in the same doctrines as you. Do not believe in the deity of Jesus Christ like we this book tells us. Do not believe in the doctrine of hell found in this. They do not. They do not have the doctrine. of If someone comes, don't receive them, the Bible says. Nope. Get lost. And don't bid them Godspeed. If you bid them Godspeed, you're also a partaker. That's how serious God is about having good, solid, sound doctrine. <clears throat> Don't receive them. Don't even wish people with skewed doctrine Godspeed. Don't even wish them that. Now, I've only brought to you a few small, tiny examples and a few small doctrines in the Bible, but there's all kinds of doctrine found in here. Good doctrine. Stuff on divorce. Stuff on drinking. Stuff on dating. All kinds of stuff. Stuff on tithing. Stuff on marriage. Doctrine found in the Trinity. Doctrine on baptism. All this stuff is in here. Doctrine on the Holy Spirit. Doctrine in the rapture. All that stuff makes up our doctrine. We have to know and study our word. Amen? There's doctrine on speaking in tongues. Doctrine on the resurrection of the dead. Now, I understand not all of us can be uh, Matthew Henry's and, and masters of the Bible. Not all of us can sit all day and study the word. But I'm telling you, I believe and I encourage a daily devotional of some type into the Word. Just something little. Lord, give me something little today. Just something small. Something that will cause me to grow. Cause me to learn. We are to know this. You know what happens if we don't know our doctrine? 
Someone else can come along and persuade us into something else. Someone else can come and persuade us into believing something that is not right. We don't know any better because we don't know our own doctrine. Too many times I think we just pin it on the pastor to preach the word to us and that's good enough for us. I tell you what, Christianity is a one-on-one experience. It is good that we come to the house of the Lord though, amen? It is good that we come here and receive encouragement. You know, when we're down, brothers and sisters can hug us. Brothers and sisters can pray with us. The Bible even tells us, forsake not the assembling of ourselves together. It is good. But there are other days of the week, and we have got to do devotions. I can't stress it enough. Do some type of devotions. Fathers, do devotions with your children. Husbands, do devotions with your wives. You wives, women, do devotions with your children. Do it. We had a, another problem the other day in our house. Things aren't perfect all the time. And Shannon had enough of it. I know Shannon, for the most part, seems nice and quiet. But I'll tell you what, when she gets mad, uh huh. <laughs> Shannon said, Everybody sit down, including me. What I do? I sat down <laughs> beside my two sons. She was mad about the way things, things were going. People weren't listening, people weren't cleaning up after themselves. You know what? She tells them, she tells those boys of mine, You guys sit down and you read the Bible. Now, when you're done, you guys go to your room, separate rooms, and pray, and don't come out until I tell you to. And they do. And I'm thankful for a godly woman that has my sons do that. I encourage everyone, have a devotional time with God. Have a reading time with God. Read the Word. Get to know His Word. Get to know it. There, there's so much treasure in this Word. You know, what, what's so awesome is anything that we have a problem with, any, any issue that we, we can't figure out, Go directly to the Word. Too many times I think that having questions about things in life, us Christians have shied away from. I believe the exact opposite, man. Confront the questions of life with the Word of God. Confront them with the Word of God, and He'll direct you to an answer. He will do so. I'm going to read a couple more scriptures, and I'm going to start bringing this to a close. I'm going to read a couple more scriptures. Joshua chapter 1. Verse 7 says, Only be thou strong and very courageous, that thou may observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded thee. I'm talking about the law God gave to Moses. Turn not from it to the right hand nor to the left, that thou may prosper whithersoever thou goest. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou may observe to do all according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. I don't tell you this so that you will be prosperous and successful, but to keep you from trouble, the Bible says, meditate. Keep this word in your mouth. Meditate on it day and night. Do not turn to the left nor to the right. Stay in the word of God. Final final scripture that I'm going to leave you with. And both, if you want to, Maybe play a song and dim the lights a little bit. If you feel compelled to come to the altar, you're more than welcome. My house shall be called a house of prayer. The Bible says in Psalms chapter 119, verse 165, Great peace do they have that love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. Nothing shall offend them. Great peace. Do you want peace in your life? 
Start loving on His law a little bit. Start meditating on the Word. Start meditating on things you read, and you will have peace in a chaotic world. Amen? Amen. Can we all stand, please? When in doubt, turn to the Word of God. Go ahead, guys. If you feel the urge to come pray, I I encourage you to. I encourage daily devotions. Please, make it real. Make it between you and God.